It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from Microsoft Surface. Now more than ever, you need a laptop that can be as adaptable as you are. Introducing Microsoft Surface Laptop Go. Finally, a premium laptop at an affordable price. Starting at just $549, its light, thin design, vibrant touchscreen, powerful processor, and built-in HD camera and mic turns any room in your home into a classroom, office, or study hall. Available in three amazing colors the whole family will love. Visit surface.com slash laptop go for more details. Is that the new iPhone? Yeah, got it on T-Mobile. Fastest iPhone deserves America's fastest LTE network. Introducing the amazing iPhone 8. It's the best iPhone yet, now on America's best unlimited network. For a limited time, save up to $300 on the amazing iPhone 8 after 24 monthly bill credits. And now join T-Mobile's iPhone upgrade program for free. Eligible trade-in and finance agreement required. If you cancel service, you may lose promo credits. Contact us for details. Video at 480p. Small fraction of users over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speed. See store for details. You are locked on Warriors, daily Golden State Warriors podcast. I'm Daniel Rue, your host, and so happy to bring you your team, Every day. On this Monday morning, I'm recording right after the Warriors beat the Sacramento Kings 117-106 in a fascinating game because it combined a couple of different storylines all in one. But for me, the biggest piece, the biggest takeaway from this game was an idea that I actually talk about a lot on Dunked On and not sure how much time I've spent on it here, which is the concept of feedback loops. And it's a prettier name, I guess you could call it, from it's more for math and from other processes for a thing that's generally true in the NBA and all of basketball, which is that it's a game of runs. And so the concept of feedback loops is that success on one end, so offensive or defensive, makes it easier on the other, with the logic being that it is easier to score offensively off of a stop or even better off of a steal than it is when you're pulling the ball out of your own basket and conversely it is harder to score or harder to defend when the other team gets what they wanted and what happened in this game was that in the first half the Warriors did not produce those positive results on either end and really struggled against a Sacramento team that has had some nice moments but has also really struggled and then they turned it all around in that massive third quarter and couple of crazy stats from that third quarter so the Warriors had seven fast break points in the first half they had 13 in that third quarter and the quality of their looks was entirely different and was a lot closer to what this Warriors team wants to do as much as humanly possible in the third quarter 20 of their 25 shot attempts were either in at the restricted area or from three they were incredibly efficient I believe they were 10 of 10 of 12 from inside the restricted area which is exactly what you want so that's just the area right around the rim missed some threes even they actually could have could have done a little bit better on that end four of eight is still fine and they also got to the line there were five of six from the free throw line Durant having the one miss and just played really really well and part of what should be encouraging about it is that a lot of different players contributed to that success and I think it was started on the defensive end Kevin Durant who played really well defensively for three quarters against Memphis, brought it on the defensive end. Draymond Green had a really nice stretch as well. Zaza Pachulia also had that highlight over the head pass that was in the third quarter. And 
Curry and Clay weren't as dominant as they can be at some of their best moments. I mean, Clay is obviously a much better defender than Steph, but both of them can do it. And then when the bench guys came in, they, they didn't do as well as that starting lineup, which was just incredible. You know, those guys were all plus 14, plus 15, but they did a good enough job to kind of hold the advantage that had been created. And the most pivotal stretch and decision during that time actually came from, from Steve Kerr because Draymond Green picked up his third and fourth fouls in pretty quick succession early in that third quarter. But it was about 18 or so eight and a half minutes left, so three and a half minutes in, that he picked up the second of those. The Warriors had already cut the lead to, I think it was four, it might have been two, and they were playing pretty well. Draymond picks up his foul, clearly frustrated, and I didn't see anything off the top really that was significantly wrong with either of them. It wasn't like some of the other games like against the Cavs or even the Grizzlies where he got into foul trouble for specious reasons. And Kerr made the decision to keep him in. And in that time, the lead went from the deficit went from two to I believe was a 10 point lead. And that was an absolutely massive show of faith, but also an idea of just how good this team can be. And Coach Kerr talked after the game about his idea that he likes to keep guys in and let them play through it a little bit. And also that allowed them to keep a form of continuity in their rotation. It's not exactly the same because ideally Draymond plays the entire third quarter and then sits out at the beginning of the fourth along with Steph and then Durant gets his normal rest. But they have done this cycle a couple times now, including against Memphis, but also in parts of the game against the Cavs where they flip-flop that. And it's certainly imperfect because it's putting a lot of weight on Durant. It also means, generally speaking, that Durant and Curry are going to sit at the same time, which is suboptimal considering they're the team's two best shooters, two best scorers. But they're piecing it together relatively well. I asked Coach Kerr about it after the game, and he seemed satisfied with how they have done. He was pleased with it. They also they had nice stretches both ways. And I'm a little bit skeptical of how the Draymond, David West, Sean Livingston, Iguodala lineup will do in the long term. Like, if you ever have to fall to that more often, there isn't enough shooting, though there's plenty of basketball IQ and things like that. But they've done well enough. And the Warriors have enough talent to mix and match. That was a, a, a phrase that Kerr used in the answer to my question. I would put the audio in here, but I didn't have it cleanly and I, I I haven't seen it in a in a great form as of yet so I didn't end up including it here but when you're playing a team like the Kings that is not great but certainly not terrible they should be good enough to keep everything above water and while I'm sure there was some consternation from Warriors fans because they didn't really expand the lead much in that fourth quarter they kept it pretty safe and did well enough so that when the starters came back in they were able to to close it out and This game also served as another reminder of how big the margin for error is for the Warriors compared to other teams. That first 10 minutes was some of the worst defense the Warriors have played all season. I was talking at halftime with Anthony Slater, who writes for the Barrier News Group, does the L82 podcast, and my stance on it at the time was that that first 10 minutes was maybe the worst defense I've seen from them all year. The fundamental difference between that and the Lakers game was that in the Lakers game, the one in Staples where the Warriors got walloped, was that they were, this time they were making shots. And so the margin wasn't as horrendous as it would have been if if they had been missing everything like they were in that Lakers game when they got knocked off the floor. They did only make 40% of their shots in the first quarter, but it was still enough to keep it close, and they were efficient offensively in the second. They also got better defensively. Again, same idea with feedback loops. And 
they were able to overcome it, really, those first quarter struggles with a short stretch, about six minutes in that third quarter where they were in Draymond's seven minutes, they were plus 16. That serves as a relatively good proxy for how that whole stretch was. And they can pull that off against a lot of these teams. It's the reason why I expected them to have a very good season overall in terms of wins and losses, a part of the reason why they should have the best record in the league when all is said and done, if they can stay relatively even health-wise compared to everybody else. But it's also why they're really dangerous in the playoffs because that stretch was exacerbated by the Kings not playing great, the Kings letting the Warriors leak out on some fast breaks, but it was also a lot of really good play by them. And Cousins was not great during that stretch, but also was not terrible. The Warriors forced him into tough shots. They weren't letting him get to the line. He had four free throws in that, but he also missed all four of his field goal attempts. So certainly an accomplishment in that end. The, their bench, they tried to, the Kings tried to keep it with their starters. Their bench went 0 for 2. He had a lot of those kind of things in that third quarter. And it was just compelling in the sense that you got to see both sides of the coin in the same game and that it started slow. My expectation driving over to SAC and, and everything else was that it was going to continue that story with the Warriors of a s- strong reaction to a bad performance. And the Memphis game was really only a bad quarter and then a bad overtime, but the fact that it carried over and they, they had a rough first quarter. Ty Lawson ran wild for a little stretch. The Marcus Cousins had a beautiful stretch. Rudy Gay had 15 points in the first quarter. Those sorts of things don't usually happen right after a loss for this Warriors team. It reminded me in that way a little bit more like the Minnesota game where they had a little bit of a hangover, but the Minnesota game, which was after Memphis the first time, was the tail end of a back-to-back, and they had that nasty travel. This was a bus ride with a day off. So very different in that sense, but a same flatness to starting the game. And they aren't going to be able to survive that against the best of the best, but they have a margin for error in a lot of their games just because of how great they can be when everything is, is going on. And the quality of their looks in that third quarter and to a lesser degree in the fourth and the second were really good. And part of that was because they were defending with more aggression. They were moving the ball and being unselfish. And this is a, a squad that can that plays best when they're doing the right things. And so it it is confirmation because you have teams... I think about this sometimes with those old Sixers, Allen Iverson teams, where defensively that was always true. You know, those teams, when they defended well, they did well. But sometimes Iverson would lead them into the best offenses with, we can call it bad process. I mean, when you have AI, it works a little bit differently. And this Warriors team, broadly speaking, there is real positive reinforcement. So when they're when they're doing the right things on defense, they're doing the right things on offense, it generally works out for them. Coach Carr actually talked about this after the game with his little idea that, and this, again, I don't know if this is supported by math at all, but it feels that way sometimes to me too, where when you defend well, the shots, even the shots fall, they fall in at a better percentage, even though that isn't necessarily the way that it has to work. Oftentimes though, the looks are better quality, so you can have it go that way. I thought that was interesting and it ties in with the idea of positive reinforcement and considering how negatively the game on Friday against Memphis ended, it was certainly good for the Warriors and for the media and for their fans to see the other side of that coin in a road game, in a new environment, I guess you could call the Golden One Center that. And that's a part of this process is that you do have to find yourself. And the idea that Draymond talked about 
that I led Locked on Warriors with on Friday night, the idea that you can learn more from a loss than from a win did seem apparent in that sense, and maybe to a lesser degree that even happened within this game because they knew what was wrong. This wasn't rocket science. They knew what what didn't work in that first quarter when Rudy Gay went wild, when they couldn't really hold Ty Lawson down, and they corrected it. They stayed in front of their guys. They switched. They were they were a lot more in terms of help defense. It was actually something I noticed. I was watching before the Warriors game started. I was watching the Rockets against the Raptors, and I was remarking to myself that one of the big problems that the Raptors did in that game was that there wasn't a second line of defense on James Harden late because the Raptors went small to try to counteract Houston. They got walloped, but that's what they were trying to do. And the Warriors, when they're at their best, have at least two, often three lines of defense on the other team's best player. And the Warriors were largely doing that with DeMarcus Cousins. So they were giving Zaza Pachulia when he was on the floor the base assignment. But if something happened to him, DeMarcus Cousins was not going to have an open path to the basket if that's all that happened. It's going to be at least one other guy, probably going to force him to pass. And there is a risk to that against the best of the best. Cleveland, for example, if you do that against LeBron James, that means you're probably leaving a really good shooter. But against Sacramento, against the dregs below them, you know, the Suns and everybody else, you're probably going to be able to survive that. And the Warriors, because of their intelligence and because of their defensive aptitude as a team and many of them as individuals, can survive that scramble also. And that's another reason why the Draymond at center lineups are so dangerous is that the Warriors can just kind of switch that. They can react. They can respond to everything that happens. And so we will see if over the next month or two, those positives really come into focus because they don't need it now. They can win games in this part of the year at a high clip, even without a dominant performance on both ends from this team. And it'll be interesting to see how often they really do bring that, how often it happens. And it is largely under their control. There are certain teams that can force the pace, that can force the Warriors into some trouble, but by and large, they control the quality of their own defense. And so the next two games in particular will be good tests. Miami is figuring everything out. The Justice Winslow's out for the year. Goran Dragic, when he plays, is doing a pretty nice job. Hassan Whiteside is Hassan Whiteside. And then the Pistons are still going through their own troubles. They want a big double overtime game against the Blazers on Sunday night, kind of around the same time as the Warriors game. And if the Warriors can have steady defensive performances in both of those games, they should win them going away. If they don't, they could become more competitive. And the Warriors already had a close game against the Pistons, so wouldn't be surprising if they had another one. But they have the benefit of being at home. They don't have to deal with the back-to-back. They should have a very supportive home crowd. So it'll be interesting to see how all of those things run together with a team that still doesn't have immense stakes. They're not going to have immense stakes throughout the entire regular season, but has a much better idea of how not only what they need to do to get better, but what it can look like when they are at their best. And I talked a little bit about who looked good during that stretch. There were also some beautiful stretches from Stephen Curry overall, including a couple pull-up threes in transition, which is something that he hadn't done a whole heck of a lot of before. Also had some nice finishes. I one of my notes in this game was that he got to the he got hit basically every time he was trying to finish and they basically never never called a foul in those kind of circumstances. And that's unfortunate for Steph, but he does have to get used to that to a degree and he took it with Good humor might not be the right words, but he he handled it and did a nice job finishing anyway. And 
the Warriors had an efficient night overall offensively, but it wasn't dominant outside of that third quarter. And that's encouraging as well, because outscoring teams is certainly a way the Warriors can win, but strong defense is a more sustainable way to generate it. And they had that transition offense blew that 14 fast break points in that third quarter and then held it over to a degree in the fourth and just kind of broke Sacramento's hearts in that basic of a sense. Durant also had 10 points in that fourth quarter, but some of that was late and a little bit frivolous, but he did a really nice job when he came in after, after I fortunately getting a little bit of a break. So I want to see how they react over the next couple of games, a little bit less strenuous of tests, especially considering they get to be at home. But then it all sets up for next Monday, you know, a week from when most of you are going to be listening to this. They face the Cavs. They're going to have some real time off. It's, I believe, their only game, the Warriors' only game with a rest advantage the entire month of January. So they should probably make it count. That'll be a weird start time as well. But I just want to know where the next month or two are going because it's it's really uncertain. The Warriors probably won't do much in terms of personnel changeover during the next month, maybe a little bit as we get closer to March 1st, whether that is clearing out roster spots or just, you know, figuring out who's on the buyout market, maybe 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 make a trade. I don't I don't expect too much there. Could be wrong on the trade market, buyout market, they should be active. We'll have to see on that. So, what do they want to do with this time? Do they want to try out different lineups? Do they want to see alignments and what works and what doesn't? You want to just kind of keep it the same, get in a comfortable rhythm. I talked to Sean Livingston last week and he said they're still trying to get real continuity on that lineup that starts the second and fourth quarters, which typically involves Sean and Clay and Andre and Durant and David West. So maybe Kerr keeps that the same by and large for the next, I don't know, couple weeks. Or maybe they start changing it up and see what JaVale McGee can do in some different lineups. See what Pat McCaw and Ian Clark can do. This was not Ian Clark's best game for the record. He had some real rough stretches defensively, including he was a big part of the, what led Ty Lawson to go in a little bit wild. So we'll see how that affects him moving forward. Patrick McCaw did not play in this game, and none of the young guys really did play in this game. So I want to see all of that kind of stuff together because... The next month is when you figure out what you have, and then the month after that is when you put that knowledge into action. So whether the team makes a trade or not, whether who who they look at in the buyout market, who they decide to cut. So keep an eye on who does well, who doesn't, what curve changes, what stays the same, and when they really pick it up on both ends. When they get into the positive side of that feedback loop, when the defense feels the offense and the offense feel the defense, and when you can, this is something I enjoy doing for the Warriors and for many other teams that I watch, is try to see if you can figure out which end is fueling the other. Because it can happen both ways, and it can happen on the negative end too, where a team is betrayed one way or the other. The best way on the negative feedback loop to see this for the Warriors is turnovers. When the Warriors turn the ball over, they often betray their defense because their transition defense is generally pretty bad. Half-court defense is usually pretty good. So keep an eye on when those runs happen, but one way or the other, if one end of the floor is really pushing it or not, and what can be done to change that. In this game, it was the defense betraying the offense, then the defense fueling the offense. But it can change game to game, and especially a team that can be as combustible offensively as the Warriors, they can use that offense to, to fuel their defense a little bit too. So we'll see how that goes over the next month or so against 
some good opponents against some bad opponents, but a lot of games and a lot of one day on, one day off. So we'll see how all that goes. If you are want to read more or think more about this game, I will have a piece on The Athletic that should be out by the time all of you listen to this. I'll have another one. The player reviews will come out tomorrow morning. And if you're interested, I talked about the Warriors and every other NBA team with Ben Golliver for Real Jam Radio, which just came out right before I recorded this on the entire NBA on tiers. So the Warriors are in are in tier one, as you would guess, but you can hear who's in that with them, if anyone, and potential matchups and all that sort of stuff. It was really fun to do that. And if you want to check out and support this show, a lot of different ways you can do it. Leave a rating, leave a review in the podcast player of your choice, subscribe, download every episode. Really do appreciate it and spread the word however you see fit. I never pressure anybody to do it, but if you want to, if there are people you know that you think would enjoy the show, I really do appreciate that. And if you have any feedback, good, bad, or indifferent, you can reach out to me, NBA at gmail.com or at DannyLaRue on Twitter. I generally prefer email just because it's a little bit longer form. You know, you can do that and it sticks in my email. So I have, I have a slew of things that people want me to answer and sometimes they get more technical and those kind of things. Maybe I'll, I'll hit part of it or something like that. Like I was actually going to mention this, that the Warriors ran some Curry Durant pick and rolls looks pretty good, but I need to see more of a sample to, to get into that with any more depth, but it did look good in the, I think two times I remember them running it tonight. So we'll keep an eye on all of those different things at one time. And I really do appreciate everybody taking the time to listen, take care and make it a great day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. San Jose Sharks hockey is back, and we've got you covered five days a week at Locked On Sharks. I'm Kyle Demetrius. I'm J.D. Young. I'm Eric Fowl. Together, we make sure you're never without your Sharks programming. Will the Sharks make a trade for a right winger? We got you covered. Will Eric Carlson's groin hold up for the entire season? We've got you covered. Whatever happens with Team Teal every day, we've got you covered at Locked On Sharks five days a week on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. If you're looking for information regarding fantasy basketball, recaps of the NBA, this is the show for you. We are heading into the offseason and starting to get ready for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We'll have all the information on what happens through the rest of the playoffs, free agency, the NBA draft, and then heading into a big 2021 season. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.